be preaching on. So um, we're going to be moving on in the next few verses of uh, 1 John 1. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to that, feel free to do that. Uh, This week I saw this cartoon of a a little boy walking out of the kitchen. And all over his face he had chocolate. And his hands were covered with chocolate. And he's walking by his mom. And his mom looks down and says, What have you been doing? Have you been in the cookie jar? And he said, No, of course not, Mom. I'm not... Crossed my heart, I, I wasn't in the cookie jar. But we know that he was, right? And uh, it's a little taste of, of what we're talking about today. One of the heresies that we're going to be looking into. Hypocrisy. Saying one thing and doing another. And, and that's what John is going to be working on in these next three verses. Um, <clears throat> last week, Pastor Doug laid the foundation for our study in 1 John. He called the, the, the book of 1 John a, a manifesto. It wasn't a letter, it was a, a tract. It was uh, a, 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 to use to argue against heresy and to clarify doctrine. He called it a spiritual lie detector so that you can tell what the lies are that are going on. He told us that John was the last expert eyewitness writing to a church that had been led astray by heresy. And that heresy was an incipient form of Gnosticism. You know, if you want to look that up with a GN, Gnosticism, you can do that. Um, But false teachers, they said that they had this special knowledge directly from God. You know, it kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? There are a lot of false teachers out there that say they have this direct from God. They're on the pipeline to God or some other way they they say it. And you, you need to question. You need to be able to understand what doctrine is so you can see whether it's true or false from the light or from the darkness. And so that's the first of the errors that we're going to talk about in these next three verses. Um, John clarifies the doctrine of God and then he exposes that wrong practice and then he gives us instructions on how to walk correctly, how to live our lives correctly. So let's turn to uh, 1 John and uh, hopefully you're already there. And we're going to start with verse 5. We're going to take off, take up where uh, Doug left off last week. And verse 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So this morning, I'd like to take a look at these three verses. And and each one of them is a different point. There are three points that I want to make today. And the first one is that God is light, right? You see that pretty clearly in this first verse five. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And this is the message. John says, this is the message. This is the the nutshell. This is something very important. You need to understand that this is uh, uh, the doctrine of who God is. Theology, if you will. This is one of His attributes. This is, uh, when, when you think about God, you need to think about what is he like? What, what kinds of things can describe God? And the first thing 
is that light describes God. And this is something that we can't just find out on our own, but the Holy Spirit has to help us understand what that means, to kind of unpack what light, how God is light is, and how there's no darkness at all. It's a revelation from God, not a discovery that we can make on our own. So we have to depend on the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to illuminate the light that God is. And so uh, throughout the Bible, the Bible, uh, you can find the word light 275 times uh, in reference to uh, God. In the books of John, uh, the, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the Revelation of John, he uses it over 40 times talking about God as light. And so this word of light uh, reveals a lot of different nuances. Not just, it's not just one um, definition, but there are nuances of meaning for light. It's not just one thing. I mean, I know we're, we're here in the light, right? There's lights. But uh, we're, it's, at one time it points to God's holiness, His moral purity, His goodness. At other times the focus of, of light in uh, Scripture is on the truth and on revelation from God. And um, last week, God, uh, Doug used uh, the, the Gospel of John, the first chapter, uh, to show us a parallel. You know, the first few verses of 1 John are parallel to the first few verses of John 1. So if you want to turn back in your Bible to uh, John 1, and we'll take a look at the, the parallelism there from John 1 in verses 4 and 5. It says in verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. See, God is light, and there is life that comes from this light. Our life comes from Him. And back in, in John, the Gospel of John, He talks about the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And that word is the light of life. That's where we get life. All, uh, you know, even science says that if we didn't have our sun, would there be any life on earth? No. Because that's where the power comes from. That's what energizes the whole thing. Without that source of light, there's, there's no life. And so um, light is the source of life. That's one of the nuances of that meaning. And in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus, talking about himself, says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So our life comes from God, the light. He is the source. He is the, the beginning of life for all of us. So that's one area of of life, of light, excuse me. You know, another way that you can think of light is light speaks of the glory and the radiance and the beauty and wonders of God. Every morning and every evening, there's a sunrise and a sunset. Now, most of you probably see the sunset, right? Some of you get up early enough to see the sunrise, at least once in your life. Uh, it's, it's a glorious time to get up and watch the sun come up. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that um, that light 
that light is uh, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. And every morning that happens. Um, this morning I, in my daily guidepost reading, I, I read this story and I wanted to share it with you. <clears throat> As I entered our church on Easter morning, I noticed a gigantic screen placed in front above the choir. It was totally dark, but when the singing began, I could see a sunrise faintly illuminating the horizon. Throughout the service, the sun continued to rise and the darkness began to disappear. By the time we ended the service with the hallelujah chorus, the brilliant sunrise had pushed away all the darkness. That image lingers with me because sunrise reminds me of my own faith journey. I can't mark a single dramatic moment when I became a believer and Jesus changed my darkness into light. Just as in that video, there was no single moment when light... Um, oh, I missed it. There was no single moment when night became day. My faith has been a slow process of light illuminating dark places over and over again. When I was diagnosed with cancer years ago, I sensed a darkness all around me. But rays of hope gradually began to push it away. A friend's notes, others' prayers, the gift of a believe sign, my daughter's pregnancy. I can't pinpoint the moment the darkness of despair lifted, but it did eventually. And the sunshine of God's perspective began to change mine. That video makes me wonder if God gives us the promised gift of a sunrise each morning as a hopeful reminder that Jesus has risen to push away the darkness in our lives every single day. Light, the sunrise. God is working in our life every day to push away the darkness and to bring illumination to our world. That's what light, that's the kind of thing that God is. God is that kind of light. Light's also related to truth in that light exposes whatever is real, whatever exists, whatever is good or bad. It shows us what reality is. It's self-revealing. It reveals those flaws and impurities that are in our lives. Um, ladies in the morning, how many of you put on makeup? Yeah, you too. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> It's important to have light, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to have the light so that you can see things clearly. So that you can see yourself in all your beauty. Or maybe the impurities or the flaws so that you can use your makeup to cover it up. But it's important. That's what light does. It, it reveals to us who we really are and so that we can fix it. We can make it right. And so, you know, that's just a, a simple example. I like to work on cars. But if I go under the car and I can't see anything, if I don't have my light source there, I'm going to make a mistake and I'm going to fix something I shouldn't fix. Or anyway, I'll break something I shouldn't break. Uh, I need to have light to be able to see things. And even for me now, as, as, as I'm getting older, I need more light to see that Bible in the morning. Uh, I have graduated to the large print edition of the Bible now, 
And so it's important in the morning I have my light on and the sunshine coming through so I can really read the Word very clearly. Light reveals things. It shows us as things as they really are. And that's what God is. God reveals those impurities in our lives. God reveals those flaws and He shows us what we can do to fix them, to make it better. He doesn't just cover up. He changes it. Amen. He transforms us from the inside out. God uses that light to do that in our lives. Light is also used to guide us. To guide us. 2 Samuel 22, verse 29. If you turn back there. I've been reading through the Bible again and, and as I was going through this last week, it just, just so happens that, you know, I was reading through 2 Samuel. And... Um, Sorry, 29, okay, had the wrong one underlined. It says, for you are my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord illumines my darkness. He's our flashlight. He's our lamp. You know, the, the Psalm 119, 105, some of you can probably say that from, from heart, uh, by memory. I have a hard time with that. But anyway, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God guides us. God illuminates our way. God, God lets us see the next thing that's coming. You know, if you're in a dark room and you have a flashlight, do you see everything? No. There's still darkness a little bit away. But there's enough light from that flashlight so that your feet can go the next step and the next step and the next step. So in a way, that's the, guy, the kind of light that God is for us. He illumines our path. He doesn't tell us what's going to happen 20 years from now, but that next step, He's going to illuminate it. And we're going to be able to say yes or no. Am I going to walk into that step or am I going to wait? That's what God's light is. We need to have that light so we can clearly see what our next step is going to be. And in the Bible, the other thing that light speaks of is holiness. The purity of God. God is pure. God is whole, holy. He, he is uh, without any darkness at all. And in this verse it says, in Him is no darkness at all. And it uses a double negative in the Greek. You know, double negatives aren't good in, in English, but in the Greek it makes a lot of sense. It, so it's saying there's no darkness in Him. None! With an exclamation point. There's not a bit of it. Because... Light and dark can't be together. If there's light, there's no darkness. If there's no light, then the darkness is there. So the darkness speaks of, of the sin of man, our, our total depravity. That's, that's, that's man. That's um, you know, anthropology, not theology. But anyway, man, that's, that's who we are. We're in the, we're in the darkness. We're in, we're in, the, in our own sin. And in the dark, good and evil kind of look alike. But in the light, they can be clearly distinguished. You can tell them apart. And so in God, there is no darkness at all. None. And there should be none of that in our life as well. And we're going to get to that because that's, that's the first error that John brings into um, our study here. So going on to the next one, the heresy that he's talking about is hypocrisy. 
hypocrisy. Let me switch back there. And the verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we continue to walk in the darkness, what does He call us? What are we? What are we? (laughs) And who's the father of lies? That's right. So he, he doesn't just, you know, say something nice and just kind of cover it up. He says, you're a liar. He lays it right out. If you say one thing and do something different, you're a liar. You can't have light and darkness at the same time. And uh, sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. If we want to have a relationship with God, we need to put aside our sinful ways, our way of walking, our living. And to claim that we have fellowship uh, with Him and then go out and live for ourselves is hypocrisy. Christ will expose and judge such deceit. John calls them liars who do not practice the truth. Now, I want to clarify too. I'm not talking about just uh, those of us that struggle with sin. That, that's not the, the idea here that you, know, you can kind of fall into hypocrisy. It's not, it's not something... Uh, it, it's people who don't allow the light of God to enter their life. They say one thing, but the reality is that they're not, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, in the Gospels, take a look at Matthew 23. Jesus had the most... Um, disdain the most bad things to say about one certain group of people hypocrites that that was the one thing that that got jesus kind of hot under the collar when when he saw those pharisees and scribes and in chapter 23 of matthew uh, verse 2 says the scribes and the pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of moses therefore all that they tell you to do do and observe but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and they do not do them. Their lifestyle, the way that they live, did not match up with what they said. They, They would say all these good things for people to do, and Jesus said, yeah, you should do those things, but don't do what they're doing, because what they're doing is wrong. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. They love all that, the outward appearance. You know, they they love to be, oh, rabbi, rabbi, how are you? But that's the reality of their lives didn't match up with what what people saw on the outside. And so starting in verse uh, 13, Jesus started bringing down woe upon them. Now, I'm not exactly sure what woe means, but it's not good. You know, woe on you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he gives them eight different woes. And the end of all the woes is that they're going to go to hell. Verse 33, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell. So we're not talking about people that just kind of blow it every once in a while. We're talking about people who are really evil. 
someone like this. He made use of Christian vocabulary. He talked about the blessings of the Almighty and the Christian confessions which would become the pillars of his new government. He assumed the earnestness of a man weighed down by historic responsibility. He handed out pious stories to the press, especially to the church papers. He showed his tattered Bible and declared that he drew the strength for his great work from it as scores of pious people welcomed him as a man sent from God. Indeed, Adolf Hitler was a master of outward religiosity with no inward reality. That's the kind of people that, that John is seeing in the church. People who say, look like one thing on the outside, but they don't live it out. And, and they're trying to drag people into hell with them. Those are the kinds of people we need to be aware of. We need to uh, keep an ear out for them. We need to recognize that, them for who they are. And so it goes back to that theology of knowing that God is light and we need to expose the light to every circumstance that we come into. The false teachers in the church that, that day, they, they were teaching that the physical body was evil and worthless. You know? and, they, and they said, um, so since everything physical is worthless and, and is going to pass away and die, then you can do what you want. Live any way you want. Do anything you want. Because the only thing that's going to survive is this spiritual part of you. And, and that's the only thing that was important. So they, they had this spiritual you know, talk and, and kind of the way that they would look on the outside. But inside, they go and do all of the sins that they were doing before. That's, that's the kind of church that the, the people were in. We have churches like that today too. We have people, churches that are filled with hypocrisy. And so John says, watch out. Look out for that. Look out for those kinds of people. And don't allow that to come into your living and your way of life. Don't fall into that trap. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Just, just come to school, you know, come to church and, and do your thing and then go home and live like the devil. There's a lot of people that like that kind of Christianity. But that's not what John wants. John wants us to live in the light. In the light. And so that's his final point. That's what he brings us around to in that last verse um, in 1 John. I lost it again. There it is. Okay. But, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all the positive side of John's message is that we're to walk into the, in the light as he is in the light. It's a daily practice. It's the same thing that the, the her, heretics were doing. They were walking in uh, evil. We need to be walking in the light. We need to allow light to permeate every corner, every edge, every dark recess of our life. Um, Henry I, Ironsides, I don't know if it's here. Harry, Harry Ironside. He said, we're not merely to walk according to the light, but to walk in the light. The important thing is where we walk, not how we walk. 
And I was thinking about fish. You know, fish, they have water, right? Now, if a fish got out of the water and got a glass of water and tried walking according to the water, how long would he last? Not very long, right? Because a fish has to be in the water. He's got to be surrounded by it, immersed in it, for him to live properly. And that's what John is saying to us. We need to live in the light. We need to have it immerse us. Every part of our life. Not just Sunday mornings or Bible studies, but every part of our life needs to be flooded with the light of God. And that's what those hypocrites weren't doing. They weren't letting the light get into every part of their life. So John says, let it get into every part of your life. Let it fill you. Let it overflow you. Be in the light. Walk in the light. And Jesus in chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, tells us that we are the light. Matthew 5. Yeah, it's up there. I just have to find it. Hold on. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstead, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He says, you are the light. Now, we don't bring the light out from in us. We just reflect the light, right? God is the light. Jesus is the light. And we need to be reflectors. There's a song on the radio talking about, let me be a reflection of your life. Let me reflect you back to the world. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do with that light. Immerse ourselves in it. Fill us with us so that we can share it. Reflect it back into our light, our world. That's what Jesus wants us to do with the, with the light of God in our lives. We need to do that. And then it says in John that what's going to happen when we live in the light and walk in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, koinonia. And earlier in this chapter, we talked about how John was saying we can have fellowship with who? God. We have fellowship with God. That's, that's part of the great good news that, that we live in, that God wants to have fellowship with us. And because of that fellowship with God, we can have fellowship with one another. In uh, marriage counseling, uh, one of the things I like to do with the, the couples, the husband and wife, is to talk to them about how bad things are going to happen. You know, you're you're going to fight. You're going to have problems. But one of the best ways that you can overcome those problems is I show them a triangle. And at the top is God. On this side is the husband. On this side is the wife. And if you want, I tell them, if you want to get closer to each other, get closer to God. Keep getting closer to God. Because when you get closer to God, you're going to get closer to one another. It's just a simple thing, but that's, that's true. If we want to get closer to one another, we need to get closer to God. That fellowship starts with God 
And then as we have that fellowship with God, as that light flows into us and we live in the light, we walk in the light, we permeate all parts of our life, we, we can't help but want to be with other people who are in the light. And how do we do it here at Grace? Grace groups, right? We have times when we get together during the week, not just on Sunday, you know, and, and talk about what's going on, our, our situations and our lives. Went up to men's camp and I got together with uh, my squad, you know, and, and we're, we're able to have fellowship with one another. How did we do that? We got closer to God and we got closer to each other. That's, that's what fellowship is all about. That's what koinonia is about. That's what a Christian life is about. It's fellowship. And that's what 1 John is talking about. It's a summer of love. God loves us. And He wants us to love one another. He wants us to have fellowship, koinonia, with one another. That's God's plan. And then He closes the section. That last part of the verse says... Um, <clears throat> And, you know, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all our sin. When, when we're in fellowship like that with one another and we have the light of God in our lives, our sins are washed away. Because when we expose those sins, those, those areas of our life, everything's exposed, God takes care of it. He's working day and night. He's going to clean us up. And I, and I know Doug's going to be going into this a little bit further because the next few verses talk about if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That's next week. Ask Doug about that. You know, but, but this is what, what John is saying now is when we're in the light, all of our sins are cleansed. All of our sins are, take, are, are taken care of. And Jesus' blood covers. Amen? Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that, that God is light? God is light and He permeates every area of our lives. We need to just allow Him to do that. Don't walk in the darkness. Don't stay in the darkness. Allow that light to come into everything. You know, John's spiritual lie detector showed us that. You know, the book of 1 John. We need to remember who God really is. He's light. We need to recognize hypocrisy when we see it. And, and speak up. You know, name it for what it is. Don't allow ourselves to fall into it. And we need to walk in the light as He is in the light. To have fellowship with one another. And our sins confessed to God and cleaned before Him. As I was working on this week's sermon, there's a song that, that I heard on the radio several times. It's by Josh Wilson. And, it, and it's called That Was Then. And I think it kind of ties up what it means to walk in the light. How to live. That was then. This is now. What are we going to do now? Now that we know what the light is. Now that we know that, that God is supposed to be living in us and through us. What are we going to do now? Make, let, let the past be the past. But let's move on now. So I want to play that for you as we close this, this morning. We used to hide from the light We made friends with the night We were headed the wrong way on a one-way track Going nowhere fast We got used to 
the dark We thought this is who we are And we figured that we were just too far gone But we were wrong Cause love came running like a river And we got washed in the water Then he said you're forgiven And your sins are gone That was then This is now You bought by the blood Saved by the sun The saints all sing about That was lost This is found And it's time to say Goodbye to the old you now So go ahead Put the past in the past Change.